It's Masters Week, and we're here on the Pay to Play Podcast, episode number 73, to bring you all the preview coverage you need. I'm James Adjikowski, Frank Guy with me, and we're pumped to talk some golf. We're pumped to talk some post-election market action and a little bit of football, too. We'll sprinkle that in there uh, in your sports finance hybrid podcast. So, Frank, uh, I know you're doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we're getting close to the holiday season. Um, but, you know, like I said, we're pumped to talk golf. And, and I think let's start right off the little fun fact about the Masters itself. And I, I like just talking food. I know I know, we talk a little bit of food on this podcast every now and then. Uh, and I, I just for a fun fact, kind of want to talk about the Masters dinner, uh, just because it's such a unique tradition there. And Tiger being the winner last year. Uh, he was getting some sushi, um, some steak and chicken fajitas. I saw like the wine that he had with his meals, like $300 or so. Um, but they're talking this year specifically about how some of the older Masters champions uh, were like kind of fighting COVID to come to the dinner. Um, and I think the 1971 champion, Charles Co- Cootie, said he'll be there. He said, you know, I don't know how many of these I have left. Uh, I'm excited to get there and follow the guidelines and everything. I just think that's pretty neat that, you know, He's just like, you know, it's that, that special of a tradition in the year that he wants to come in despite, you know, being sort of in that at, at-risk population. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Did you did you bring up Bob Golby, his buddy, um, who's 91, who also is going to this dinner or went to this dinner? Yeah, yeah, I think he they reached out, like, their buddies and everything. So, they, yeah, I think he was trying to convince them to do it. Um, so, yeah, Golby is the second oldest living Masters champion. Uh, there's a 97-year-old Jackie Burke who I don't believe will be in attendance. Um, but, you know, everyone, it's, it's kind of up to their own prerogative if they're able to make it or not. But cool that some of the older champions are still able to come along and everything. Um, sounds like a pretty good meal overall. And, and actually, the other fun fun fact is, you know, how the concessions are actually usually priced really well uh, because, you know, the Masters earn so much money from everything else. They don't really care about their concessions revenue. Uh, this year, I believe they're even free. There was a reporter that tweeted that out. Uh, I need to attribute that to him. I'll do that momentarily. But just kind of wanted to throw that out at the top of the episode, Frank. And I don't know about you. I kind of want to stick on the golf train, talk golf first, then pop into football after that. Uh, if you're good yep. with that, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. You're uh, into the Masters. What's going on? I'm pumped up. I'll tell you what. They had the Houston Open last week. Some players didn't want to partake because they were a little bit afraid of testing positive for COVID the week going in. Unfortunately for Sergio Garcia, 2017 champion, uh, he fell victim to that. I don't I don't even know if he played in Houston last week, but the, regardless, yeah, he was like one of the guys that had to withdraw. Um, but this will be a, a fun year, one that's, you know, a little bit uh, atypical from your usual Masters, normally played in April. Uh it, a lot of people are saying, oh, it's going to be cooler in November. No, the forecast is saying it'll be in the 70s. Uh, there is some precipitation over the weekend. Uh, but I think everyone's just excited to be back at Augusta National. Uh, and, you know, Frank, for our view, for our listeners, uh, if you want to watch any of the Masters action this week, uh, ESPN will have coverage 1 to 5 on uh, Thursday, Friday. And then CBS takes over on the weekend. Uh, Masters.com has live stream viewing available so a lot of a good chance to check out you know uh 93 pretty darn good golfers that's what the field's at this year the top 50 make the cut uh, i think it will be exciting the fact that you know it's been over a year and a half since we've seen people play in augusta yeah so i mean it's unlike the other majors it's always played at augusta national golf club in, in augusta georgia so 
guys that have played the course a lot um, have plenty of experience playing it there and uh, are going to look to, you know, do well. Tiger Woods, obviously, as you brought up at the top of the episode, looking to defend his 2019 green jacket victory. Um, but he's got a lot of talent in the field coming, coming after him. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau after a win a couple weekends ago, or after, oh, sorry, not a couple weekends ago, win his first major title on the U S been um, in September. Uh, and now he's the favorite, I think plus what, 750 or 800. That uh, depends on, depends on the book, but Bryson's the favorite. He might bring out a longer driver even this weekend to hit the ball even further than he's been pounding at James. I think he's going to definitely be tough, but there's other guys running out the top five, DJ, John Brown, Justin Thomas, and your guy Rory, uh, that'll also look to move up the leaderboard throughout the, the early week. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. And you look at some of the groupings that they have for Thursday, Friday. They have Bryson with John Rahm. You got DJ, Patrick Cantley, and Rory together. Uh, JT and Brooks are in the same group. So early in the week, there will be a lot of competition, a lot of Probably some guys joking around with each other, but I think as the weekend moves on, uh, you'll, you'll start to see some of those smiles wipe away and people really hone in uh, looking for that green jacket. They want Tiger to hand it off uh, to them. But I'll tell you what, Tiger's not going to roll over himself. He's he's playing with Shane Lowry and actually an, an amateur and Andy Ogletree. Uh, imagine the fight that kid's in for, uh, playing against two guys like that to start your Masters weekend. Uh, no, it should be a lot of fun overall, and I, I know a lot of you know the casual golf fans that you're, they're able to join Masters pools, which I know you and I have both done a little bit, and you know we'll give you some analysis here and whatnot. By no means are either of us a golf expert, but gosh darn it, it was the first sport back, um, kind of after COVID shut everything down, and I was I've I've paid a decent amount of attention these last couple of months. Not that that means much of anything, but. Uh, Hopefully, it leads to a fun weekend, uh, all in all, and maybe you make some money off of it. God, God forbid. Um, so I think, Frank, in, in terms of, you know, you look at Augusta National as a golf course itself. Actually, you know, I'll give a shout out to another pod. No Laying Up is the name of it. They do a really nice job, um, at, you know, for the golf hardos out there. They they did a rundown of every hole, one through 18. Um at the course, and they talked to Mark Leishman's caddy. His name is Maddie Kelly, and he literally talks all about each hole if you really want to nerd out over it. Uh, but it is, you know, it's a course that it, it's challenging. They, it's not the reason they play it here every year is it's it's elite for the, um, you know, best of the best. And, and the one quote that I loved out of Maddie Kelly was, you don't read these greens, you learn them. Uh, it's, it's stuff that if you're playing this course for the first time, which – you know, a guy like Matthew Wolf is, uh, it's it's not one you're going to be really overthinking. You're just going to have to do it and uh, learn on the fly. Uh, as for other guys like Phil Mickelson, who had his first Masters back in 1991, yeah, he knows the course pretty well. I don't know if that will translate to better results or anything because it obviously comes down to skill at the end of the day. But yeah. it, they do say experience pays, and that's something that I am taking note of when I make my picks. I don't really want to take – any first timers in my pool, but that's just a bias I have because you, yeah. you got guys like Cameron Champ who can still boom a drive, and that eliminates a lot of problems. Morikawa is a rookie this year. It's going to be his first Masters, and he's just been one of the best players on tour all summer. So I, I, I do agree with you, though. Like, that's why I've been hesitant to to say I like him. Is there anyone you do like then? Is like a long shot? Uh, I mean, we don't not maybe not necessarily one of those top five ten guys, but who outside that? 
They so they they say it's a second shot type of course. Um, and one guy I really like for that reason is Webb Simpson. I, I think he's a guy that's pretty pretty renowned for his iron play. And maybe I'm wrong, but I, I I think from the stats that I've looked at in terms of green and regulation, he's he's in the top half of the field and everything. And I like the value on him. It's about plus thirty five hundred. So it's a, you know thirty five to one. I think you know why not throw five ten on him? See what he can do because he's a guy that he's won an event or two earlier this uh, year. And uh, the other guy that the yeah, total long shot is Ches Reevy. He's played it a couple of actually with Webb also, which is interesting. The last two times he's been in the Masters, tied tied for twentieth and tied for fifth. So he's improving year after year. Had been cut several times before that as well. Uh, but you know, I think he he's got the experience here, and uh, you know, it, it's it's a long shot, a little bit of a flyer. But those are kind of my guys. I, I know you've got a couple couple guys that you think highly of or think will at least compete. Yeah, they're. I mean, JT's definitely in the top ten, but I do like him at plus eleven hundred. He's been playing great golf. Um, and he, he hasn't actually even had a top 10 finish in the Masters before, but in his last four years, he's gotten better every year, uh, finishing 12th in 2019. So I, I think he's gotten more comfortable um, at Augusta, and I, I mean, I think he's just going to have a great weekend, like like a few of these other guys. I also like Patrick Reed. Uh, he's plus 2,800. I'm not, not necessarily cheering for him, not a huge fan of Patrick Reed and his antics always, but he's playing. he's also playing well uh, the past few weeks, and he's already got a green jacket in 2018. So um, he handed Tiger, Tiger could maybe hand it right back to him. That's, hey, that would be pretty special for him, but still screw him. I don't like him either. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think another guy that is you're looking out if you're, you know, one of those people selecting in pools and stuff like that. Another guy that I kind of like is Corey Connors, uh, Kent State, Kent State grad. Uh, he's played at Augusta National. I believe this is his third Masters or something like that. I think he was tied for 46th last year. Um, uh, you know, that's kind of just a shot in the dark. Do I have a ton of reason behind it? No. The stats I look, looked at didn't give a ton of uh, uh, a ton of reasoning that I could jump behind. But Corey Connors is a guy I'm including in my pools. Um, and it is kind of a shot in the dark, you know. You can have all the practice and prep mentally you could be ready coming into the weekend. And, you know, got the conditions, like we said, there could be some rain in the forecast. Might just not might not be your day um, out there. And so, you know, I think uh, what they did say, or, or what uh, Maddie Kelly also said, not not to keep stealing from no laying up, but I just, I found it very interesting, some of his comments. They said, even if you're not hitting the ball great, um, you know, striking it on your first or second shot, some good short game at Augusta can save you a ton of strokes, especially knowing those greens and everything, um, having played it before, and Mark Leichman's a great example of that. Actually, a guy that has not played well since coming out of COVID. Um, but if you <laughs> if you have if you have some of that experience, it can bail you out a little bit and at least you know allow you to make the cut and stay in contention. So I, I what did I say? Webb, uh, Chez, of course, I'll be pulling for my guy Rory, and then Corey Connors is a guy that I kind of like as a sleeper uh, to at least make the cut and keep things interesting. Yeah, I mean it, it'll it'll be a great weekend of golf. I'm just I'm can't wait for Thursday morning. Um, I'm going to be tuned in right away. It's just, I mean, if you're working, I mean, you better have two monitors at least. Three, if you can help it. That's, that's all I have to say, James. <laughs> three, if you, three, if you can. <laughs> uh, and you can so aim in corner. You can aim in corner. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to see some pictures. You featured groups. You can just. 
I kind of want uh, our pay to play listeners to tweet tweet at us some photos. I'll I'll send my own out there. Just to let everyone know I'm I'm tuned in as well. I know there's a prop that you do like, Frank. Uh, it's it's about going We're down to the wire. Watching. The uh, you you like there to be a playoff this weekend, don't you? Playoff. Yeah, I don't know why, but I I love the value that there will be a playoff plus two sixty. I mean, you got what ninety four guys in the course. There's a chance that the top two are tied. You know, top two or three end of the weekend so it's plus 260 there's been six playoffs since 2002 uh there's been 17 overall um since i think the masters started in what 1934 i want to say or something sounds about so right. there's there's been it's one every three years so plus 260 is not, not not terrible value it's pretty good value i think i, I threw 50 dollars on it that's pocket change to you. So you guys out there adjust yeah. your unit sizes accordingly. Um, so no, I, I think uh, you know, in the terms of golf, it's not like I'm an expert here to keep keep rolling along with it, Frank. I, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add for this tournament besides we're pumped. We'll be tweeting all weekend, uh, keeping in, involved with your listeners and wishing everyone luck in their pools. Um, but I'm ready to talk some football if you are, Frank. I think. Roll right along. Uh, exciting weekend in both the NCAA and NFL. Uh, start at the college ranks, then head into the NFL. Uh, I think the first thing we have to mention is the Notre Dame-Clemson overtime classic we saw in South Bend uh, with the Irish prevailing, giving Clemson their first regular season loss and I think, 36 games or something like that. Of course, no Trevor Lawrence. Um, it was a game Notre Dame, honestly, uh, probably could have won by two touchdowns had Ian Book not fumbled close to the goal line. Uh, so they had their chances to make it even a greater margin of victory. But you know what? Clemson, that speaks to how good and deep of a team they have. But Notre Dame putting up 47 on them was not something that I uh, necessarily expected. Yeah, it was a great game. Um, very happy for Notre Dame to get the win. Uh, but, yeah, without Trevor Lawrence, you know, it, it there's just a little asterisk on that game, obviously, I think, for, for Clemson fans at least. And uh, they'll probably get a rematch, I would think, in the ACC title game. Um, it depends what happens with the U. Do they do they play Clemson, or they already, they already got destroyed by Clemson? Didn't they? they? Yeah, yeah, they already played and lost to them. Yeah. The U, yeah so the U's five and one. Um, they still have a so game Clemson against. Have to lose yeah, uh, probably. So I mean, Notre Dame uh, obviously has their chance to run the table. They still have to play Boston College, UNC. Uh, Syracuse and Wake Forest, you know, they'll be favored in all four of those games, but UNC uh, that's hey, pretty decent this year. Mac Brown, that would be a like signature signature win on the season. They're a two loss team, but uh, they play both ND and the U still. So UNC has a chance to knock the U out of contention too. And they could make things really interesting there. Um, and then Clemson, they get Virginia tech, Florida state and Pitt. three games. They should win as Trevor Lawrence comes back. Uh, but I, I do want to talk about Notre Dame a little bit more. Um, the fact that Sean Crawford, a former guest of ours, kind of stepped up towards the end, breaking up passes in overtime. And um, tell you what, they kind of looked the part of a team that belongs in that college football playoff, which, you know, they've made it in years past and have not necessarily been contenders in those games when they do get there. Uh, is this a different year for them? I. I, it sure looked like it on Saturday when they came out, you know, 75 yard run out, out of the gate. Uh, yeah. I, I like to discredit them just about as much as anyone, but this year I'm kind of taking off the uh, horse blinders and trying to remove my bias. I, I think they <laughs> might belong. Good for you. Yeah. I mean, they're a veteran team. So I think, I think they definitely have a great chance to, 
And obviously, after beating Clemson, they have a great chance to control their destiny and find themselves in the, the college football playoff. I think so, too. But, and, I mean, they'll have to win a rematch, I would think. What else is going on? What else is going on around the, the NCAA? That's true. I, it, I could hear a case where if they lose that title game to Clemson in a close one, they both make it. I, You know, I could see it, but we'll we'll uh, you see it for sure. Not for us to determine. That's for the committee. Uh, also, I mean, another team that might want to be in that conversation, Frank, we'll talk more about that later, is BYU. They dominated Boise State, moved to 8-0 on the season. Uh, they kind of have two walk games left on the schedule. They're going to try and reportedly add one more, but as an independent, they don't have a conference championship game. Uh, Zach Wilson's playing like a Heisman-like quarterback, though. So they're, you know, they're in it. the Cougars have an interesting case to be made. Well, I don't disagree. I think they're a uh, pretty damn good team. I do think Zach Wilson has a lot of, a lot of arm talent. He'll be an NFL-type quarterback. And the same goes for Cincinnati. They're, they're undefeated in the AAC, and uh, they're looking really good. Um, they have a better chance than BYU based on just that a slightly probably tougher scheduling. Yeah, yeah, the AAC is yeah. more of a respected conference. Um, well, obviously, BYU is independent, but regardless, that, that conference comes with it, a conference championship game. They still have UCF on schedule. Uh, you got teams like Memphis and um, – SMU both in that conference as well. Uh, then you got a couple other undefeated teams in Liberty and Coastal Carolina. So that'll be very interesting to see how those undefeated teams in non-Power 5 conferences play out. The Pac-12 came back, Frank. Oregon beat Stanford. Uh, that's probably their lone contender. USC lost to Herm Edwards and the Sun Devils. Um, so they're partying on in Tempe starting 1-0. and uh, But uh, also I think what's even more fun than the Pac-12 is the Mac. We have Maction back, Frank. I know you wanted to talk about a little bit of Maction. No, I mean not really. I, I, we can move <laughs> on to the end. I mean, it's 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 fun football that you can watch during weeknights if if you're not too busy. Uh, it's great. It's always good action watching you know watching kids in the Midwest put put on the shoulder pad and helmets, get down and dirty on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. That's well said. Well said. And I think I mean. Yeah, we both have our Ohio State bias, so we'll briefly mention them. But I think it was last week the third game in which Ryan Day has failed to cover the spread since starting his head coaching tenure. I know Rutgers covered last year, and I think they uh, covered again this year. So I think it's like number three that he's not covered. Am I wrong? It could be more than that. Rutgers just has his number, it sounds like, man. Yeah, it could be. It could be. I mean, that second half was kind of a backbreaker, and – some cause for alarm, but I honestly didn't even watch all that much of it, so not going to keep commenting. I'm ready to talk yeah, it's more on the Notre Dame Clemson. Cool. Let's talk NFL if you're ready for that. Um, and I think let's start with a little bit of the recent primetime games. To cap off the week, we saw the Patriots escape uh, beating the Jets. You know, down 10 in that fourth quarter, Cam Newton now improves to 2-38 and when his teams are down by double digits in the fourth quarter. So second time he's won a game. I mean, yeah, he's lost 38 of them, but uh, finally came back against Joe Flacco and the Jets. Um, So I was happy for him, happy for my Patriots regular season win over uh, because that has been looking dark. Uh, Yeah, same. I'm on that. (laughs) The Jets Jets stink. I mean, how do you lose that game? They like they could have won that. They I think they had three plays on offense or four plays on offense in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they're they're up seven uh, with like I don't just 
They were up seven with like five minutes left to go, and the first play is Joe Flacco trying to throw up 50 yards downfield. He had a great game, actually, beyond like thinking about that play. You know, he had three touchdowns, was slinging it, looked elite, might I say. And uh, next thing you know, yeah, he doesn't mix a bone how to play like that. Also, the Saints demolishing the Buccaneers, um, which was kind of a uh, uh, Drew Brees, I'm still here game. Tom Brady uh, looked sad on the sideline. Didn't see that one coming to that extent, so I was surprised by that. Makes you question who the GOAT is. Drew Brees looked dominant as a huge underdog on Sunday Night Football. I was all over the Saints. I know you had a small play on them, so I was very happy with it. Um, but I, I'm not too worried about Brady and the Bucs. They'll figure out that that offense. They looked great the previous four or five weeks, so I wouldn't be too worried if I was the Buccaneers. Yeah, Frank, I, I got to agree with you, although I've been hating on the Bucs most of the season. I think they're probably going to be all right uh, in the grand scheme of things. Still at second in the NFC South. So I know we just talked some old quarterbacks. Let's talk some of the younger ones. Uh, one of the more exciting games of the week uh, came between the Dolphins and the Cardinals, who both flashed their rook, or uh, young quarterbacks, I, sh- I should say. Kyler Murray being in his sophomore season, and then Tua Tagovailoa. Boy, can I not say his name. It's very sad. Uh, but he has you know started two games in a row for the Dolphins, who have now won four straight and find themselves – uh, holding on to a playoff spot in the AFC via the tiebreaker. Uh, is that, that race is really heating up in the AFC. you got the Raiders, Dolphins, Browns, and Colts all at 5-3 and three right now for what would be two playoff spots if the season ended today. Uh, so pretty exciting on the, on the young, younger side of things, too, at the quarterback position. Yeah, definitely. That game was great. Um, the young quarterbacks in this league are making it. It's going to be exciting for a long time, which I love. Um, but, man, that, that scares me. I feel like the Browns are in, like, a good position for the playoffs, but that just reminds me that, no, we're right in the thick of it, especially with the, the Steelers and Ravens ahead of us in our division, in our own division. So it'll be close. Um, anything else, NFL, James? Just wanted to shout out your guy, sure. Kyler. Uh, he's actually on a historic pace fantasy football-wise. Uh, Lamar Jackson set the record, I believe, for most points last season. Kyler was about on pace with him through eight weeks. Uh, I, I actually don't know how last week unfolded completely point wise for him, but I think he was. It was a good. There. It was like an absurd week. Okay. <laughs> His so, points were very. Yeah. He might he, I mean, be, he had like three uh, touchdowns of passing, one rushing, 300 yards passing, 100 yards of rushing. He had like an insane game. Well, he they might lost. be. He might be in front of pace then. But uh, speaking about in front of pace. That's not that good of a transition. We're going to go into the market because the market was racing itself last weekend uh, as it had a huge rally, Frank. In fact, best weekly gain since April, I think you have it down here as. Um, and investors were kind of excited at the idea of a potentially divided government uh, with regards to there kind of being potentially a uh, Republican Senate um, after the alleged win by Joe Biden, the Democratic uh, executive branch. So that, that should be very interesting to see how the legal proceedings unfold in the coming weeks and whatnot. But investors, on the other hand, at least reacted positively. And that's what we care about. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess everything's unknown and the, the Senate's actually unknown as well with some runoffs in Georgia, um, acting like I know what runoffs are, but, um, there's a couple of runoff elections in Georgia. And, uh, the reason the, the market kind of liked that idea and why we had like a seven percent gain over last week 
um, was that it actually reduces the likelihood of immediate tax hikes if we're going to have that, you know, a Republican Senate where a Democratic House and executive uh, with Biden as, uh, you know, the alleged president-elect. I'm going to he's he's most likely our president-elect. <laughs> I guess it's not officially confirmed. I, I didn't like the the Electoral College doesn't actually like put the like the people who decide that don't actually do it until December anyway, I guess, which is I, it's all just weird to me. I mean. Trump just needs to accept that he took a loss. But the market, James, took an even bigger win this week, unrelated to to the, you know, the political. On Monday morning, we had news from Pfizer that they their COVID vaccine trial was very successful, 90% effective in phase three trials. Over I think over 40,000 people participated in that. So that's a really good sign. Um, Dr. Fauci was hoping for something that was just around 50 to 60% effective. So over 90% is huge. And that that just jumped the markets like crazy, especially those those stocks that were really beaten down. AMC, they were up percent on Monday. Cruise line was up 39%, James. So it was a good day. It was actually a bad day for stocks like Zoom, Netflix, Peloton, those stay-at-home stocks actually got crushed. So it's it's kind of been a transition of the market at the beginning of this week. I I love that about the market too. That not only yeah you'd see some reaction to news like that, but no, it was just so exaggerated on both sides. Like no, nothing inherently changed about the companies and the way they should be valued. But I think just the investor sentiment kind of changed so drastically as a result of you know one potential breakthrough. Like the vaccine still has definitely like several more stages before we get the official go ahead. Although it's very promising. Um, you know, I think just looking at it from a personal perspective, like it's, it's exciting from the extent that, Hey, maybe you'll get to go see a sports game next year, get to a concert. Not that we're here to like spread hope of that, but I think that's the kind of stuff that they want people to get back to doing uh, with, with the hope of a vaccine. And of course the reception of that by the public uh, and how, you know, people would determine, can you go somewhere if you have the vaccine? What's your proof, et cetera? That's all still to come. But regardless, yeah, I would say good news, one, for the markets, and two, just for society. So that was um, good to hear overall. And I think um, another, you know, an interesting thing, unrelated to COVID, unrelated to the election, the, the landscape of IPOs during COVID, uh, we haven't talked a ton about them in, in weeks past, uh, but one that, you know, we know fairly, the biggest year ever. It, yeah, it, it has been the biggest year ever for them. Uh, but Root is a company, a Midwest tech company that, you know, we got a buddy or two that works for, works for them. And uh, they had, I, I guess, what would be considered a wildly successful IPO in the standpoint of raising money. Uh, you know, their stock has fluctuated a little bit since then, as IPOs are known to do. Um, but, you know, when, when all is said and done, I think they raised about $724 million. Uh, but then there's some other funding portions that uh, once people buy it up, apparently they're going to raise north of $1 billion in their IPO once all the shares that have been sold are counted. Um, so I think they, they said something about being actually worth in the neighborhood of $7 billion. Uh, Renaissance Capital, an IPO specialist, said it's right around $7.1 billion on a fully diluted basis. Uh, so after you know a price range of $22 to $25, they're still sitting within that. So I think overall you'd consider that a success. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it's just, it's one of those Midwest companies. I used the Midwest joke earlier, so I'm just going to use it again. It's one of those Midwest companies. You got all the hardworking people there 
Um, happy for for our buddies that are working there. Get the IPO. That's exciting. Um, I, I'm now a shareholder. I have to disclose. So uh, they're all working for me now, and uh, we got a lot to do. It's 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 still early in this company. Um, focus right now is on car insurance, but they're moving into home insurance. I hear some murmurs. Oh, the murmurs are out. Mike Jurace will hold them accountable. We can name drop a little bit. Um, but I'm also a, a shareholder as well, so also have to disclose that. But they are actually they are not um legally allowed in North Carolina yet. So I don't know about other states or how many states are actually, you know, have the, the full governance to go ahead and, you know, be an insurer in. But I you know, they need to get in every state, start penetrating every market geographically, because the concept of driving ability translating into your uh, insurance amount, I think that's just fantastic. Like, it's it's a great idea because good drivers still probably pay too much for insurance. So, hey, that's my two cents. That's all I'm saying. Uh, but I think, oh, is that the cow? <laughs> yep. Time for our two-minute drill, Frank. I think we got to head into the episode, uh, finish this one strong. The cow already made its presence known. So I'm going to hit you with a couple questions here, Frank. Steelers, best team in football at 8-0. No, sell. Selling that one right away. Almost lost to the Cowboys. Come on. Yeah. I mean, hey, they've been, it's been impressive this year. I hate them. I, I want to give them as much credit as I can. But, geez, oh, man, you almost lost to Garrett Gilbert. All right, the McPlant. This is one I don't know as much about, but McDonald's is dipping its toes in the water of meatless burgers. Uh, are you in on the McPlant? I'm in on the McPlant for McDonald's. Um, I, I, obviously, you figured they would do it. It really hurts beyond meat that McDonald's is trying to produce this themselves. But, yeah, anything with the word Mick in front of it, it, it works for them. I mean, McPlant is going to be the next big thing coming in 2021. You got the – actually, they, they're talking about the return of the McRib before that in December, allegedly. So big things on the horizon for McDonald's. Uh, but the McPlant, even I would give that a try. I famously, around this time last year, uh, had to try the Impossible Whopper for losing a bet. I gave the review on pay-to-play. wasn't that great. I would be willing to give the McPlant a second chance. Um, and and yeah, lastly, do that. you would think they will. Lastly, Frank, a non-Power 5 team makes the college football playoff. I named you those undefeated teams earlier, BYU, Cincy, uh, Coastal, and Liberty. You think they do it? This is the year. I, I'm gonna buy it, yes, because they have like they have an easier chance to go undefeated. And I mean, I don't know. I I do think your scenario where Clemson would beat Notre Dame and they would both get in could reign true if we just get Ohio State and Alabama also running the table. Um, but I, I really think we could have one ACC, one SEC, one Big Ten, and then. BYU or Cincy right now. I I kind of tend to agree with you. I mean, Big 12 is kind of out of contention already. Pac-12, like I said, they have Oregon as kind of their only hope. Uh, but I think even they're, you know, maybe not their dominant selves, that they might slip up. I think if there's ever a year, 2020 is the year for you know one of these teams to slip and slide their way in. I'm here for it. And James, there's an anniversary. So what what what's the anniversary today and why why is it our song of the week? Let's 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 leave the people. It's a sad one, actually. It's the uh, wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh, the ship, I think there's 29 crew members aboard that uh, lost their lives. The, and then Great Lakes Brewing Company, of course, uh, created their beer, the Edmund Fitzgerald Porter, in, in honor of those that lost their lives on, on board the 
Edmund Fitzgerald. Gordon Lightfoot wrote a song about it. And uh, that's our song of the week, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot. I think they actually, I think I read this on Great Lakes Twitter that um, the owners of Great Lakes, the Conways, were like childhood friends with someone uh, whose father was a crew member on the ship or, or like a captain of some sort. I don't want to miss my words up, but there's a little bit of a connection there, a little bit of history. And uh, yeah, that the Edmund Fitzgerald did not make it out of Lake Superior. Great lyrics in that song that really detail essentially what happened aboard uh, aboard that uh, wretched day, November 10th of 1975. So uh, if, you're, if you're having a drink when you listen to this, pour a little bit out for those that lost their lives on the Edmund Fitzgerald to toss on some Gordon Lightfoot as soon as you finish the episode. All right, guys, we hope you have a great week, a better weekend, and a better rest of your year, guys. Go Bucks, go Browns. And enjoy the Masters, a tradition unlike any other.